Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Um, so last week we kind of talked about, we've been on this journey of, of advancement. I really sense that God is about to advance his church, ours and other churches as the world is opened again. It's time for the church to start running on full cylinders and at full power again. And so excited just to see God starting to change people's lives in all the ministries that we run here at church. We're seeing just God touch people, open people's eyes. Uh, young adults are having a blast on Thursday night. Just incredible reports come from that. And so just encouraged, excited about what's to come. Last week, we kind of talked about how uh, one way, if we want to see God move in our life, we have to walk in his ways. Uh, and we look at Jesus, probably the most pivotal point last week was when we looked at Jesus, he was walking into his ministry where God was about to use him powerfully. Before that, he, w- he was in training, you could say. And he got baptized, which if you're a believer, a fresh believer, you need to get baptized. Okay? So let's get, that, get signed up to that. We're going to advertise that soon. And promise you will not hold you down for more than a second, for those of you that fear that. <laughs> um, and G- first thing Jesus done when he got baptized, which was symbolic for us of resurrection life, which is what our church name is all about. The first thing the Spirit of God led him to do was to go into the wilderness into a place of solid, solitude or a, a space of nothingness or a season where you feel empty or, or it's like a desert. And what happened there, the Bible says, that he was tested by the enemy, by the devil, by Satan himself. But that's what God knew which was required for him to inherit power that he would need to actually do the ministry, to live a God-first life, to live a life which would actually see fruit. Very interesting. That was the first thing the Holy Spirit led him to do. So I want to encourage you in here, if you're in a season where it feels hard, it feels like a desert, it feels like a no-man's land, you're in a good place. It's hard, but do not waste it. Because if you waste it, guess what happens? You come out the other end beat up. You come out the other end dysfunctional. You come out the other end bitter and blaming something or someone. Anyone been there? (laughs) I've been there, I promise you. And this is why if we do things God's way, He uses the worst times to build the best times, to build the foundations of your life, to serve others, to ignite gifting, to to renew and your mind and to expose your true identity that is found in him. And this is what happened with Jesus. But he ha- the problem is he had to go through tests. And a test can also look like temptation. Because he was tempted with all the kingdoms of the earth. He was tempted to meet his physical needs by turning a stone into, into bread, which is probably, he was hungry, he was fasting. And that's all the same things that we have to deal with as people too. And so we just spoke about how if we want to truly have the power that God has intended us to have, if we want to lead our families and our friends to Christ, to, to a life of function, of blessing, it's going to look like having places of solitude regularly in our life. It's going to look like having desert places. Jesus continually found spaces, whether it's early in the morning or late at night. He ran from the crowds at times, and then he went to the crowds at other times. So he would have 
got, he would have plowed the soil, so to speak, and then he would have rested. And that's what a Sabbath, the word Sabbath really means to stop, to refill, to re-energize, to, to refocus our soul. You know, I think about um, when I was at Bible college um, studying, I, I went across the world. I really sensed God leading me to Florida to a church. Some of you are skeptical. You're like, no, Phil, you went for the beach. Uh, but genuinely, I didn't see the beach for two years. Um, I really felt God was leading me there. And as I was studying, it was about three months in, and I was thinking, I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to learn about Hebrew and Greek. I'm going to be really smart. Um, I, I'm going to get incredible training. I was thinking all about just memorizing Scripture, you know, just the typical things that you think about Bible college. And, but this college... Um, was connected to a church, and they had learned some things about people. They had learned that true discipleship didn't just look like learning the Scripture. <laughs> you know, they actually used to say, they said, when we're, we're employing people for our church, you know the first quality we want in someone? That they're just nice people. They actually like to be nice to people. Why? Because they'd find people who knew Scriptures, but they, they didn't know how to be nice. Why? Because your spiritual maturity is connected to your emotional maturity. It's not disconnected. You can know all the scriptures, be able to stand on a stage and preach and teach and sing. It doesn't mean you're a true follower of Christ. It doesn't mean God can trust you, really. You're performing, in a way. And so that, that calls us all out on the stage of life where sometimes we're performing, we're pretending, we're putting a face on because we're hurting. And that's okay, but, but we want to make sure that our life lines up, that we're the same person on a platform in public that we are behind the scenes. Can you get an amen? I was quiet. I was very quiet. Feeling shame and guilt all up. Um, and so I just love that because it, it calls us out. And so what I found is I went with a perception of what it would look like. I found myself at Bible college rolling out basketball nets in, in 100 degree heat in Fahrenheit, which is probably, what is that, Tess? Don't worry, 35, 40 degrees, madness, humidity is through the roof, and I'm just sweating. I feel like I have, to, I get out of my, it was the kind of situation where you get out of your car and you feel like you need to go back home to get a shower, because it's just sweat all the time. And so I'm pushing these goals out as an intern. I started to get these thoughts of, I'm a slave here. I've paid money to become a slave. What a bad deal. I've actually not just paid money. Everyone else in, in the internship was local, so they only had to go a stone's throw away. They're still living at home. I flew over here like a plonker to pay money, to work for free. And I started getting these thoughts, I'm a slave, I'm a slave. Like, this is, I can't believe, what am I doing here? This is wrong. And I had to come to a place. It was a, there was a temptation in my mind to give up. There was temptation to feel bitter. There was temptation, all kinds of stuff going on. I was tested and I had to come back to the place, why am I here? <laughs> and I realized, yeah, I'm here because I felt that God called me here. And at that moment in time, I said, you know what? I don't know what you're doing, God, but I really believe that you called me here. And I'm letting this thing go. I'm, do what you got to do. If it looks like pushing out nets and setting up youth every night, and you're going to do something through that, so be it. You know, I surrender. I promise you. The moment I prayed that, the next day, I would describe it for me, in my situation, I experienced an open heaven. All of a sudden, I started to experience favor. 
that none of the other interns were faced actually felt bad about it. I was starting to get exposure training that no one else was getting. And it all happened the next day after I surrendered. See, it was a test. It's a test. It mattered. My heart, God looks to the heart. Man looks to the outward appearance. God's speaking to some people in here and he, he wants you to pass a test. Why? To build relationship, to build trust with you. I remember even in that situation, I didn't have a penny to my name. I actually was a mature student. I went out at 23. Everyone else was 18. It was awkward. And I'd already done a degree in teaching. And I'm kind of part of me, it's like, all oh, my friends are, are making money. All my friends have got a job. What am I like? I'm out here nearly hanging with the staff because it felt awkward to hang with the students. And and I found myself frustrated. And I remember a time came where you know, everyone was like generous and there was a culture of generosity and they were doing all these different you know, outreaches and compassion appeals and outreaches with the homeless. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I wanted to participate. I wanted to give. I wanted to help with whatever they were doing. I had faith in, in, my, in my spirit, but I had no money to my name. I was living free. I begged a few people I'd met previously on, 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 at Camp America, can I stay with you, the young couple? And they let me stay. I wasn't paying a penny. I was getting £100 a month from home, and that was it. And I remember just sensing, God, I'd love to give, but I can't. And I kind of felt a wee bit of comfort in that because I knew I didn't have to go out and face fear of, of releasing something. And then the Holy Spirit put it in my heart, you can't give a tithe because you don't have an income, but you can give an offering because I had maybe two grand savings. And I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart to give $500. And I was like, no, like I, I can't do that. I can't afford that. Like, I need that money. To, the fees were $7,000. Add $2,000. It's not adding up here. But you know what? I said, you know, I'm not here. I surrender. I want a story. I want a testimony. I'm not here to play games. I've traveled so far to get here. Sacrificed so much. I'm just going to do it. So I secretly went behind the scenes into the accounting office and gave it to the person who I felt the Lord was leading me to give it to, which was towards the fees of the person I most mis disliked in the internship. The person that talked too much, overshared too much, delayed things by oversharing. It was annoying. It was so emotional. I was crying every day. I'm like, stop. We're doing devotions that ended in tears every time. Stop. And I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to give towards her fees. And she's local. She's got a house. She's got a home there. Her parents are there. Why should I give to her? But the Holy Spirit led me to do it. It was a test. I surrendered to it. I submitted to it. I promise you this. I experienced an open heaven after that. What do you mean, Phil? I was the first person, the foreigner. I was the first person for my needs to be met. Within about two, three months, I had all these random people just giving money towards my fees, and they were paid off within two months while everyone else was in debt. Don't understand it. All I know is I was obedient. All I know is I had a relationship with God, and I sensed what he told me, and I just done it. It didn't make sense. I wasn't comfortable. But when faith rose up, I got excited. Don't worry, we're getting to Scripture soon. I'm trying to set it up. 
Now watch this. I want you to listen to this. this is, I actually heard this. A friend of mine texted me this this morning. This is not my quote, but it fits perfectly in this message. Watch this. God's love for us is equal. Yeah? Agree? God's love for us is equal. So everyone here, God loves you equally. Doesn't discriminate. Doesn't matter your age, your race, where you're from, your status. He loves us all the same. But, but his trust in us isn't. His trust in every individual is not the same. Ooh. So he loves us the same, and sometimes we're just, we stop there and we, we stay there. His trust in us is not the same. Meaning, God will not trust everyone with the same thing. Why? Because God is looking for faithful people. God uses people who are trustworthy to bring his message. And so the more we are faithful, the more we take the test, then God gives us a testimony. Who gets the glory in the testimony? God. But the only person that has a testimony is someone who takes the test. Who actually trusts in God. This is really important. What I'm not talking about today is not about performance. Because what's this? When we perform for God, performance is following a system, is worshiping a to-do list, do's and don'ts. That's not relationship with God. That's The Ten Commandments were written on stone. You're worshiping stone if you're just performing for God. It's not personal. Are you with me? But trust is following a person. It's, it's, putting your, it's putting the relationship above all else. Every time I, I spoke to you there about those testimonies, I was telling you that God said, he, it wasn't, I followed the Ten Commandments and was a good person and I'm a nice guy and I was smiling at people and it's stiff and it's boring and it's, I'm like a statue. No, it's like God, God spoke into my heart. He softened my heart. Faith began to rise in my heart. I was obedient. And God showed himself to be true and faithful. And so my trust was built in the person of the Holy Spirit, in the person of Christ, in the Father who's promised to look after me, to make a way for me. And so we're going to get to the Scripture in just a second. But this, this message is called Take the Test. Let me pray. God, I just pray and thank you that you are here, that you're moving, that you want to speak to us. You don't want us just to come to church out of ritual or routine. You want us to sense your heart, to hear your voice, to trust you in the, in the deepest and darkest parts of our life. You want to show up and show yourself strong so that glory could be brought to your holy name and people could be set free from sin and the power of sin that so easily entraps us. Pray you move right now and use me, Lord. Give me the words to speak. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Now let me, let me say this. <laughs> That's a few of my best days. <laughs> There's more of my worst days where I haven't obeyed the voice of God than there is the days where I have, unfortunately. But I'm a work in progress. Can anyone... Come on the journey with me. I want to do more. 
I want to trust more. I want to dream bigger. For God. I, want God to, to, I want to allow God to speak bigger dreams into my soul and to actually do it. Uh, and so the first scripture I want to look at here in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, it says, let me give the context. So this is the Corinthian church. It is named the church, surprisingly, to some people. A, a gathering of the saints, you could say, or God's holy people, but yet God's holy people in this point in time are full of sexual immorality. <laughs> but they're still called the church. It's messy. These are broken people who are still worshiping idols. They're still doing things their own way. They're falling to temp into temptation time and time again. And here's what the Apostle Paul is speaking to this church to try and help them to say, listen, this is not going to work, work out good for you if you keep going this way. He says, so if you think you're standing firm, don't get too confident. Be careful that you don't fall. Why? Because that's obviously when you do fall, when you think you've got it all worked out, when you think you can perform well enough, when you think you can do it really without God. No temptation has over, overtaken you except what is common to man. There's nothing new under the sun. Lust of the eyes, lust of the, the flesh, and the pride of life are just the common things that we all fall for. Except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so that you can endure. Everyone say endure. So that you can endure it. See, number one, there's always a way forward. Speaking to a person recently, and they're just cycling through the same test and failing time and time again. And you know, the message they have received in their soul is, I'm just weak. I just can't do it. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. There is always a way forward. There is always a way forward. There is always a way out. There is always another road. So if you've believed that in here, I'm just, oh, I'll, just, I'll just sidetrack that little sin in the corner. There's always a way forward. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to put up camp there. There's always a way forward. But sometimes it looks like endurance. And sometimes it looks like obedience. And sometimes it doesn't look like just a nice feeling. Actually, most of the time, you need to learn as you mature to not follow your feelings, but allow your feelings to follow you. Sometimes it just looks like being faithful. Sometimes it even looks like suffering well. Just say, I'm going to suffer in this season. Yes, you are. Let me suffer well. Let me allow the body to just mourn and do what it needs to do to get all that stuff out, to process that stuff well in a godly nature, in a godly way. And you know what? God uses your suffering to set you up to bring out your gifts, to change your mind about who you are. God uses your suffering only if you find the place of solitude. Only if you find the desert in your life and go to God with temptation and go to God with your problems and go to God with, God, I want to do it this way and the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is, it's weak. But the Bible also says it's in your weakness that you are made Come on, there's some people reading their Bibles in here. 
you're made strong. And so I want to talk about just a few thoughts, a few tests. This is not all the tests that you'll find in the scripture. It's just a few ideas that I think might help you just to, to make sense of some of the things you've maybe experienced. So the first thing we see here, the temptation, the way to, com- to combat temptation is often, it often looks like a, an endurance test. Temptation, it's not always just about trying to di- make it disappear. We see in this scripture, it clearly says the way out is going to be partnered with this thing called endurance, which means to outlast, to outlast the pain. You know, people who do great things in life build, whether it be a family and, and maintain unity, church, organizations of any kind, you know what it really looks like? Because I've heard this saying, when you go to a new level, whether it be more weight, more kids, more problems, with every new level, there's a new devil. And in seasons, you have to unlearn old things and relearn or learn something new. And so that often looks like being able to outlast the pain because eventually you'll adapt. Eventually you'll, you'll get up to speed. Eventually you'll learn some new habits and some new ways. And eventually you become strong enough to carry the new weight. And I've heard I don't have children. I've got a dog. But that was a, that was a new level. When I was a puppy, up four times a night, who's, make, who's getting up? I'm sleeping. My wife's shouting, but I can't hear her. I'm still sleeping. Sorry, I'm just in a deep sleep. It's a new level. There's a new devil. And what we had to do was, as we had conflict back and forth, who's getting up, who's not? I've heard parents talk about when you have, go from one child to two children. Come on, Carthana knows what I'm talking about with her little puppy. I've heard people say, whoa, two's different to one. It's a new level. But sometimes what it looks like is, hey, we're just going to have to keep showing up here for these kids, this puppy, whatever it is, this job. And eventually, I'll get to grips with this thing. If we just keep showing up, eventually, I need to outlast the pain and the suffering and whatever it is. If I can just have endurance, I'm telling you, it'll not be forever. Some of you are going through hard situations right now. It'll not be forever. Endure it. Pass the endurance test. I remember I had a... So how do we pass the endurance test? I, I remember I was in a... I was serving in a church, and I was getting discouraged, to be honest, behind the scenes, just in myself, and waiting on opportunities, and different things like that, and I'd been serving maybe four or five years at this point. I just was just discouraged. Don't really know exactly 100% why. I think it was a multitude of things. I was just waiting, and I was like, I had a vision. I thought God was going to do this, that, and the other, and whatever else. And I remember coming home one night from church in my car, and I just was just, I took a moment, just a second, a split second with God and just, God, I'm just disheartened here. Just discouraged. I feel like giving up. Like, is this the way it's supposed to be? Is it? And then obviously I started to remember stories in the Bible. Oh, this has happened before. Oh, the Apostle Paul tells us things about consider joy when you're going through trials, but that's okay. But I need something to change in my heart. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me because I'm in relationship with God. 
And he says, he brought me to the attention of one guy that I really had a heart for, who struggled a bit with drugs, and, but I loved him, and he had so much potential, and I still believe that to this day. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, Phil, if, if it was just, would you show up to church? Would you set up and break down? Would you, would you do all that stuff if, if it was just for, for him? And I was like, God, you know the answer. That's a trick question. That's a rhetorical question. And the answer was yes and amen. All day long. And you know what that done? That, 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 that gave me the ability to what? Endure. That gave me the ability to not give up. That gave me the ability to overcome. That gave me the ability to finish the assignment that I had in that season. God, when I spoke to God, he made it about the true things, the heart, people, God's most prized possession. And then funny enough, just in that similar season, I think it was about a week later, this preacher guy came into the church and I'm sitting there and I felt the same way, discouraged. So I'm just enduring. And in that season of endurance, of just showing up, of just keeping my vision clear from why I began in the first place, this man, I'm sitting there slouched down, probably with a bad attitude. Anyone ever been there? Maybe you're, you're sitting there right now and you just went, whoop. <laughs> whoop. And he's just, I'm sitting right here to the right of the stage. And he starts to, I feel the Lord, and he's, he's a Pentecostal kind of guy, you know, he's, he's, he lives in prophetic words, and, and he's like, I thought he was calling me out for sitting slouching, because that's happened before. And he says, I don't know what's going on, but the Lord has just spoke to me, and he starts to prophesy over my life, and just all these things that were very encouraging. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't earn that one, like I'm, my attitude's terrible right now, I feel tired, part of me doesn't want to be here. Why me? <laughs> because my mentality was you have to perform to get good things right. But God thinks differently. And in my discouragement, in my endurance test, God used a man to come and speak to me, which he spoke, a vi- spoke vision into me, he spoke words over me that I still hold true to this day. They encouraged me today. I actually spoke to him on, wet, on Thursday last week. And he brought it back up again. Remember that time I spoke to, you know, spoke that word over you? I still, I, I, I can still remember it so clearly. And I'm like, well, I actually have that recorded and I still play it to this day. And it still encourages me to this day. You see, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, when you commit to God's people, to God's way, when you commit to solitude and God's presence, whether it be through people with the gathering of the saints, his church, or whether it be in your quiet time, driving along a road, in the Bible, just whatever. When you give God space, He will give you what you need to endure. He wants you to pass the test. But all you need to do is give Him the space, the solitude, the desert place. Use whatever you've got. Well, Phil, I don't have much. Well, just use what you have. Have you a minute? Just give Him a minute. Stay in relationship with God. Endurance test. See, the flesh is weak, the spirit is strong. What spoke to me in those moments was the spirit. It wasn't the flesh. My flesh wanted to give up. My flesh did not want to endure. My flesh didn't have what it took to pass the test that God had put in my life. And so it's a bit like this picture on the screen. You know, 
One's the flesh and one is the spirit. Which one's your spirit? For you. Which one is your flesh? Some of you are over here. This is your flesh. Lord, I just want you to move. But I just keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm feeling weak. Of course you're feeling weak. Your flesh is massive. Your spirit's over here. Look, God, I'm just praying you know, for, for a spouse. I'm just praying for a godly person to come into my life. I'm just praying for godly friends, but you're over here in the club dropping like it's hot. You can't see half the time. You can't get out of the club itself. God, I just pray for a, God, I'm just over here just praying for a spouse, a godly person, but I'm hanging with, with all the fleshly people. God, I just want you to use my gifts, but I don't feel strong. I'm, I, I, I'm too afraid. I'm, I'm, when, when they ask me to pray, Lord, I'm shaking. Of course you are. I would be shaking too. But I wonder if you flipped the coin and you started to pray and you started to fast, you started to show up to church regularly, and you started, your spirit started to look like the lion, like the lion of Judah. That when the enemy come, when the flesh come, when temptation come like Jesus done in the desert, or someone opposes God's plan for your life, get behind me, Satan. Like, what do you think happens to the lion when the kitten growls? What do you think happens? Absolutely nothing. Can you just picture the lion just lying on the side and, you know, the, the kitten's trying to paw it and stuff and he's still sleeping. He's like, what are you doing? Are you tickling me? or What's going on here? Are you attempting to hurt me? Listen, you can, you can actually be like that, but it's going to take the community of believers regularly showing up, going to group. It's going, that's what we've set up as a church at least. It's going to look like prayer. It's going to look like fasting. It's going to look like stopping in your week and not overworking. It's going to look like even sometimes eating healthy. It affects your soul. It affects your mind. It actually does. That's why we fast food. So what is the test? The test is a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, and reliability of something. Especially, watch this, before it is taken into widespread use. My wife, Anna, she works in pharma. That's all they do all day. They're testing things, what? Before it goes into widespread use. Why? To protect people. So it actually helps people and doesn't cause them harm. You know, what was Jesus doing with the disciples? Twelve disciples. He was testing them before he put them into widespread use. He was allowing them to fail. He was, he was giving them opportunities and they were coming back. Why could we not heal that person? They were being tested. He was saying, you're, faith, you're faithless. You're perverse. You're too connected to the things of the world. You're too fleshly. You're like the kitten. And he was trying to train them like... Come to a place of prayer. Solitude. What, what did he do before he done the greatest act of kindness and love the earth has ever seen? He went to a garden of solitude to pray so that he could have the ability to pass his test. Because temptation, he wanted the cup to pass. 
Because God wants a spotless bride covered by his blood. Well, what does that mean? Does, it, does that mean he wants a perfect bride? No, he wants a spotless bride. What's that mean then, Phil? He wants a bride that is in relationship with him. Because that's how you get covered by his blood. That is surrendered, that's willing to trust in him. Not to follow rules, not to follow regulations. That's not the bride he's coming from. That's not, the, that's not a spotless bride. A bride which is in relationship till death do us part. Actually, more than that. Because <laughs> in death we are reunited. I'm going to finish halfway through this message because I've over-prepared. There's so many tests. But I'm going to finish this tonight. There's a few more, actually probably better ones that I want to speak on. But I'm going to finish with this here. And it's a test of faithfulness. I'm not going to read through all the scripture. Um, I'll, I'll read the last line. But it's the parable of the bags of gold. This is Jesus telling these parables, by the way. What is a parable? For those of you who are maybe questioning, what's a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's why, as a church, I like to tell stories. Why? Because Jesus likes to tell stories because he's working with normal people who just are trying to connect the dots, and sometimes Scripture can be complicated, and so let's simplify it with a story. And so here's Jesus telling a story, and he's telling a story about how a Lord or a master has left people, you could say, in control of his business. And he's looking for faithful people. And he gives one of them five bags of gold. And he gives one of them two bags of gold. And he gives one of them one bag of gold. And comes back after a long time, the scripture says. And the, the guy with five bags of gold returns ten. He had doubled it. So he, he had went and generated five more bags of gold somehow. The guy with two bags got another two bags. He doubled two. Then the person with one bag decided instead of doing anything with the bag, they would bury it. Why? I'm assuming he was called a wicked and lazy servant or employee. So I'm assuming it's something to do with being lazy, but it also could have been to do with fear of like, what if I lose this? You know, at least one bag's better than zero. But I find this interesting. This is Jesus telling this story, and this is the, what we would call, I would call the faithfulness test. Because sometimes we think faithful is just, just starting, you know, show up in the room, come to church, or, or just do the bare minimum like the guy with one bag. Just at least I've got the bag, you know. At least it's still here. But what I see here in this story is that's not the case, that faithfulness is more than that. It says in Matthew 25 and 21, at the very end, his Lord said to him, this is, this, these are the guys that made the investment and had a return. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. What's this? I will make you ruler over many things. So what's going on there is that the Lord is saying, you have been faithful and trusted. I'm going to give you more authority to carry more weight. Very simple, actually, business principle too. Or any, a principle in any level of, of life, whether it be a person in a workplace or a person at home or your kids. So they've been approved of, so, so God loves us equally, but he doesn't trust us equally because he wants faithfulness. 
And so what does faithfulness really look like? Well, if they had five bags of gold, in order to get five more, they had to release the five bags for investment purposes, as it spoke about in the Scriptures. And so I wonder, is there something in your life that you're holding on to that God has intended you to release? I know there's people in here, every person in here has been given gifts and God wants to release them. He doesn't want you to hold on. He doesn't want you just to stay safe and allow fear to control you. He, he wants you. If you want to be faithful, you need to release your gifts. You need to commit to getting out of the pew and getting involved. It looks like you're using what's in your hand. You don't have to wait until the situation is perfect. They just use what was in their hand. It looks like stewarding well. Someone else's possession. You know, I, I, when I was in the States, I went around a few of the churches and I noticed there's this amazing church that, that we're connected to here, Church of the Highlands. And I went in and I found something really interesting. They would have all these interns, way more than the, the, the internship I was a part of. There was maybe like 200 of them at that point. But I noticed something. I thought, Flip, this church is massive. They're employing people. I'm sure they just employ the interns who were like 18 to 22. But when I'd done the research, they also had another internship for older people, 28 plus. And they were telling me that they actually ended up hiring most of their hires for the church because it, it was a massive church expanding. You know, they've about 20 campuses now all over the state of Alabama. They would hire people from the part-time course. And I'm thinking, that's not fair, you know, for the younger guys because they're given more time. They're doing more work in the church. It kind of surprised me. But then I realized they said, no, the people who are older have more life experience and they know how to be faithful. And they're more trustworthy with what's put in their hand. And, and they've learned some lessons through failure. Whereas the people who are younger are yet to learn those lessons and we don't have time <laughs> and energy to allow them to learn them in this environment. And often they come entitled and think they know it all and, and it just doesn't work out. See, God is looking for you. If you want to see God use you, it's going to look like being faithful, taking the test, learning from it. If you're younger, take the test. Learn from it, grow from it. You're in process, endure it. So it's good to have a good idea. I've seen so many people, oh, I'm, I'm all fired up for God. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get involved here. And then about three weeks in, they're, they're done. <laughs> I'm going to help out the youth. I'm going to be so loyal. I'm going to, I'm going to see, you know, I have this amazing vision. I've seen it so many times. You know, people prophesying over people. And all, why does it always have to do with thousands of people? <laughs> you know, I just see you speaking to thousands of people. What? Why is it that every time? It's an exciting vision. It's an exciting idea. But actually, God's not after that, really. God wants you to be valuing the one. When he spoke to me and got me to endure, he spoke about the one. People who can do it behind the scenes. People who can develop when no one's looking. People who have character. People, when they're in the desert place, they have a genuine, authentic relationship with God. People who are working at actually loving people better. 
not in the public eye, in the private eye. You know, what are you texting to that person? What are you, how are you treating your parents? How are you treating your friends? How are you treating the people closest to you? Because stepping out faith is good, but staying faith is better. See, God has not called us to live just by our natural sight, but to live by faith and not by sight. And that looks like a relationship. And he wants us to stay the course. Faith to start is good, but faith to finish is better. The rewards passing the test is only when you pass the finish line. So it's good to start the race. It's good to get saved. But God doesn't just want to get you saved. He wants to get you discipled. How we move the ball down the field for the kingdom of God and for God's purposes on the earth is not just to get saved. It's to get discipled. It's to develop your emotional maturity. It's to unleash your gifts. That's what faithfulness looks like. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.